rocking vibes. It's the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 73. This the fucking energy I'm on today. We on this big Weezus energy today. Whoever wanna fix they fucking mouth and try to say that Jesus ain't top tier, clearly they have not been listening. Let's go! Baby girl try and get a nut And a girl try and give it up Chop them both down Don't judge them Joe Brown Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 73 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. DeBron James, and we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying... Thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaged with me on social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all of the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there battling this COVID still. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S P-O-D dot M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com Bronx Bias Pod dot MyShopify dot com Come check it out. Come fuck with me. I got hoodies on there. I've got t-shirts. I got tote bags. I got COVID masks and I got stickers with much, much, much more to come. Um, You know, I'm an independent potter from the BXMY all day and just supporting the merch is a great way that you can help keep the podcast going the way that it is. You know, I don't have no sponsors, no deals as of yet. So just being able to have you guys support the merch um, is just something that's very helpful um, to keeping this podcast running the way that it is independently on my own time, on my own schedule. Um, so, you know, if you feel so inclined, you know, I know everyone's financial situations are different. So if you can, if you feel so inclined, I would strongly recommend if you like listening to the show, going on and hit, hooking up some merch for yourself. Um, the products are quality materials. You won't have to worry about any of that other BS, you know, like the print coming off or the shirt shirt, shirt fading, 
Uh, don't worry about any of that. It's quality stuff, and uh, it will be very, very helpful for me and the show if you guys do support the merch. And I truly, truly, truly appreciate every single person who has gone on and purchased some merch from me. I truly, truly do. But with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, 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 great show today. Man, I am in such, I have such high energy. I feel so rejuvenated. If you guys didn't know, I took about three weeks off. I am in such a great mood, man. I I am so hot, have such high energy. I'm so ready to talk to you guys today, do a great show for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And there's nothing else to say, but I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood, and I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, amazing, amazing song that had to be played on a day like today. Man, what a fucking song that is, man. It's one of them songs that you just play, like you play it when you go to the gym or you play it when you just need to get amped, when you need to get hyped for something. This is That is the track to play. It is called On Sight by Kanye West off of the album Yeezus. And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, it is Kanye Day today. We will be spending a lot of time on Kanye and his new album called Donda. So Kanye haters or Drake lovers or however you fall within this realm in terms of their music or liking them or disliking them. If you don't like them, maybe you should fast forward because there's going to be a lot of Kanye chatter today. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of Kanye dialogue on this motherfucking show today. Okay, there's a lot of shit to talk about with him. Um, So, you know, that's just by I'm just warning you. So if you you know, listening to the show, and you're like, damn, it's been like 40 minutes on Kanye, yeah, I told you early, so, you know, don't be surprised, but that song, man, that's just, that's one of them songs that I've been loving ever since I heard it, Yeezus is a top three Kanye album to me, um, I also saw the Yeezus tour live at the Garden, so Yeezus just holds a special place in my heart, and I love Yeezus so much, I love it, On Sight is one of my favorite Kanye songs ever, and I really, I think I like it so much because a lot of people don't like it. Like, the reason I like Yeezus so much is because when it came out, people hated it. And people still hate it. And that's why I think I love it so much. Because, it's one, it's really good. And, two, like, people really dislike it. And I feel like that just makes me like it more. So, shout out to Kanye. Shout out to Yeezus. And there's going to be way more Kanye chatter on this podcast today. So, <laughs> Again, this is my warning for you. We doing a whole Kanye deep dive on this show today. So if you're not ready for that, fast forward is always available. Now it is time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. It is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show. Just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that the people may not know, that you guys may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx fact for today is... 
Bronx Works is a human service organization that helps individuals and families in the Bronx improve their economic and social well-being. From toddlers to seniors, they feed, shelter, teach, and support our neighbors to build a stronger Bronx community. Bronx Works strives for the highest ethical and performance standards, and they are guided by the belief that people must be treated with dignity and respect regardless of their present situation or past experiences. For more information or see how you can donate or enroll, you can visit their website at bronxworks.org. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 73. son where'd you find this all right all right we are getting right to the shits today as i mentioned a little bit before it is kanye day today and we are opening our first topic of the show talking about donda the latest effort from my guy kanye west there is so much to talk about i am so amped to talk to you guys about it i have so many thoughts about it let's fucking get it man let's go so before we get into my opinions and um you know just my overall impressions on the album and a rating i always like to start my topics with facts i want to give you guys a little bit of background and a little bit of factual information on the topic before i start just so i can just so I can always establish things factually before I give fully my opinion. And also, I know that there's some people out there who just don't know about this stuff, um, whether it's politics or sports or music or whatever I'm talking about. So I always just like to provide context and facts um, before we get into my opinion. So I'm going to read you guys a few snippets from the website Genius. Genius is a, a music website dedicated to finding out meanings behind songs uh, find giving credits to uh, musicians and producers, etc. So you can find out who produced some of your favorite songs. You can find out more information about how certain some of your favorite songs came to be, and uh, more general information. Also, lyrics of songs. So um, I'm going to read you a few things from them, and then we'll get into my thoughts and feelings on the album. So this is from Genius.com. Donda is Kanye West's tenth studio album released on August the 29th, 2021. The record is named after Kanye's late mother, Donda West. During a May 2020 Instagram Live interview, cinematographer Arthur Yaffa revealed that he and Kanye were working together on a video. He also mentioned that Ye was preparing for the release of an album called God's Country. On June 30th, 2020, Kanye released a track which was at the time thought to be the album's lead single called Wash Us in the Blood, made in collaboration with Travis Scott. He also confirmed that the album's title would be God Country in a tweet, but the name underwent another change. On August the 4th, 2021, Kanye began live streaming from within the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He had been living there in a makeshift studio since the first Donda listening event. The live stream included studio footage along with clips of Kanye sleeping and various associates, including Chance the Rapper and Mike Dean, working on the album. Later that night, 
a version of Donda was premiered at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Although the album was promised to be released immediately following the event, it ultimately was not again. On August the 18th, 2021, West announced a third listening party for the album scheduled for August the 26th, 2021 at Soldier Field in Chicago. It was titled Kanye West Presents the Donda Album Experience. It was subsequently announced by West manager that the album would be released the day after the listening party on August the 27th. But to the surprise of no one, the album was not released on August the 27th. <laughs> that shade, high key. <laughs> but to the surprise of no one, the album was not released on August the 27th. <laughs> that is shade. <laughs> the album finally ended up releasing almost two days after the final listening party on the early morning of August the 29th, 2021 with the addition of four new remixes on songs on the album, containing new features from DaBaby, Marilyn Manson, Shen Sia, and Ty Dolla Sign. Older verses that weren't shown at the final listening party also made the final cut, including Jay-Z's verse on Jail and Kid Cudi's vocals on Moon. The album contains features from Playboy Cardi, Lil Baby, and a redone version of Tell the Vision by the late Pop Smoke. Also, Jay-Z, who recorded his verse hours before the July 22nd premiere. So that's just a little bit of facts and everything and just, you know, general information about the project um, that you guys should know before I talk about it. But before I even get started with my opinion and everything, I want to talk to you guys about how this album came to be. Like, you know, there were so much things that have happened in the Kanye West realm, you know, if you guys are fans or not fans of him, um, there's been so many things to happen, you know, before we got this album. Um, and first, I want to start by talking about the leeway and the rope and the amount of chances that we give to people who are extremely talented. And this is just my opinion. I think that in any industry, whether it's music whether it's entertainment, whether it's cooking, whether it's uh, education, whether it's, you know, even in dating, whatever. The more talented you are, or if it's dating, the more attractive you may be, gives you a sense of how much people will let you get away with, right? So if, for example, if you are the best chef in New York, right? You have this restaurant that everyone has to pile in lines to try to get in. Reservations are always full and you make the best food. People are going to be willing to accept a little more of your eccentric tendencies, a little more of your bullshit, just to be honest, just because of what you can offer. You see it happen in sports. You see it happen in almost all fields. Talent, immense talent, often gives people a lot of leeway because you say damn well this guy's a little crazy he does a little extra shit but if you were a chef his food is always good if you're a musician his music is always good right so people are a little more willing to deal with your bullshit because of what you offer a great example of this is r kelly r kelly for years before even when i was a kid like a baby r kelly has been a nasty man a nasty, nasty, nasty man, 
But, and it sucks to say it this way, but because his music was so good, because he was so talented, because he was making so many hits, because he was contributing to so many other artists and their hits, I hate to say it this way, but a blind eye was sort of turned to R. Kelly's nasty man antics. It was. I remember when uh, Chocolate Factory came out. That was what, 05? Chocolate Factory with Happy People and Step in the Name of Love, or even his songs prior with I Wish, Fiesta, The World's Greatest. I fucking sang The World's Greatest at my eighth grade graduation. People knew what R. Kelly was into, and I was still singing his music at my fucking graduation. And that's the point. That's the that's the point I'm trying to like drive home. When you have immense talent in any field, people are gonna say, Well, we need to give him a little rope, we need to give him a little more space and leeway because of what he can offer us or she, what he or she can offer to us. Right? You know, Mariah Carey is one of the biggest divas in the history of the world. But when she gets on that stage and she hits that note, no one else can do that. So you are willing to accept the the shit that she be on. And I'm saying that all that to say prior to 2000 and let's say 15, Kanye West has always been a erratic character, an eccentric individual and somebody who be on bullshit, Right. But we were just willing to accept it because every time the man put out music, it was a bomb. It was a bomb, right? You can remember his earliest, like, controversial moment. I remember it like yesterday. It was after Hurricane Katrina, and they were doing the telethon to try to raise money to help the citizens of New Orleans and the greater Louisiana area because the hurricane had ravaged the region. Kanye West... As he's doing the telethon, standing next to Mike Myers, (laughs) Mike Myers, right? The whitest dude you could think of, comes on and unpromptedly just spews out, George Bush does not care about black people. That was his first ever controversial moment. And it got a lot of headlines, got a lot of stories, but ultimately it was forgotten because late registration was fire, okay? Late registration was fire. The college dropout was fire. The videos he was putting out was fire. So you're just like, all right, he had a moment, but his music is really good. So we're going to leave it alone. In 2007, it was his first ever time crashing the stage. I remember it was it was like a European music award show. And it, his video for Stronger off graduation was nominated and it did not win. And he crashed the stage and he said, I spent over a million dollars on this video. This ish took me mad long to make. How the F can I not win? Blah, blah, blah. That was like his second thing. And then in 2008, he released the album called 808s and Heartbreak, which at the time was was widely like in terms of his fans was widely shit on like shit on niggas hated that shit. What the fuck is this singing shit? What you on? You want some bullshit? What you doing? We hate this. Although we can look back now and say 808s and Heartbreak really set the trend for what is happening now in current music with melodies, auto-tune, and the use of the drum machines and the way he crafted that album was very influential. But at the time, it was not seen that way, right? After 808s and Heartbreak, the next year, we all know what happens next. At the VM fucking A's, 
Kanye West crashes the stage, snatches Taylor Swift's microphone, tells her, I'm really happy for you, but I'm going to let you finish. Beyonce had one of the greatest albums of all time, which really got people pissed the fuck off. People were pissed, pissed the fuck off. Nobody was happy with it. So you took the 808s and Heartbreak where the fans were upset. His his fans at the time were upset at the music. And then the general public were upset with him. But how do you make all of these things go away? You take a year off and you come back in 2010 with what? My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, the greatest hip hop album ever in my opinion. And you're getting you get forgiven. Then you drop, you have the good music, uh, Good Friday's releases, you're getting back in good favor. Cruel Summer comes out the next year, you're back in good favor, right? 2013, Yeezus, a lot of people didn't fuck with it, but it's still a good album. Went platinum, you're back in good favor. You start with the collaborations, you make in the Nike Air Yeezys, Air Yeezy 2s, back in good favor. But then, of course, in true Kanye fashion, 2016 comes. 2016 comes the life of pablo album drops and at that time he was then starting to align with trump jesus fucking christ jesus christ and this is where this you saw some of the cracks in the armor now you i'm just trying to paint the picture for you so in the early 2000s he was able to do a lot of bullshit and get away with it because the music was his saving grace but now beyond the music People were trying to people were not fucking with how he was living life. And the, I don't think the music was able to save it. So you start fucking with Trump. The Life of Pablo album comes out. Then you falling out with Jay-Z. Jay-Z at the time started the uh, music streaming service called Tidal. And at the time, he gave Kanye $20 million to exclusively house the Life of Pablo on Tidal. Only for two weeks, though, Kanye decided to keep his album on title and shift it then to all major platforms and his website. That fell him out of favor with Jay-Z. It was a breach of trust or contract or whatever. Then on the Shane Pablo tour, you realize he was not only beefing with Jay-Z, he's beefing with Kid Cudi. Kim Kardashian had just gotten robbed in France. His mind was all over the place and he was wearing the fucking MAGA hat. So it's like, all right, now this is where the airplane is starting to crash out of the sky, right? Soon after that, in 2000 and let's say 18 now, so he's still beefing with Hove, still, you know, him and Cuddy had reconciled, but that was pretty much it. He's still wearing the Trump hat. He went to go see the nigga in the White House looking crazy. In 2018, they come out with a good music rollout, which is going to be five albums in five weeks. We're taking over the summer. Pusha T. Daytona, Kanye J, Kitsy Ghosts, uh, Tiana Taylor's album called Keep That Same Energy, and Nas Nazir. Those were going to be the five albums in five weeks. Other than Daytona and other than Kitsy Ghosts, in my opinion, those other albums were not great. I liked Nazir. I still kind of do like it. There's a good songs on there. And Tiana Taylor. But Tiana's came out and said, this album was not what I wanted. These niggas did not listen to nothing I had to say. I didn't have no input on this shit. I hate this shit. And who do you point the finger at? Kanye West. So you had a failed album rollout. You had Ye, which was not good at all. It was mid. It was not great. You had 
people mad at you because you could fuck up a Nas project and Tiana Taylor project, which we've been waiting on for mad long. You are not looking good in the eyes of the public. You're not looking good. And then Pusha T's album, Daytona, which was really good, started the or brought to the surface the beef with Drake on the song Infrared. How you going to write these wrongs when you don't even write your songs, which was a Pusha T bait diss to Drake, which Drake then responded with the Duppy freestyle, which was really a Kanye diss, even though Pusha T dissed him. Because he thought that push it, he thought that. Well, no, I'm getting too ahead of myself. The Duffy freestyle was a Kanye diss, even though Pusha T was the one who dissed him. He said like three lines about Pusha T. The rest of the song was about Kanye. So you see that okay, him and Drake has got a little static. There's some there's some real static there, right? Um, but then after the Duffy freestyle, Pusha T came back with the diss song of diss songs called "The Story of Adion." which detailed Drake having a kid who he was hiding, basically. And Drake, which you would normally believe, thought that Kanye told Pusha T that Drake had an illegitimate, or not an illegitimate child, but a child that he was hiding, um, and which led him, which led Pusha to diss him that way and put his business in the street. Pusha T himself on Joe Budden's podcast, hold on, let me get it for you. Pusha T himself on Joe Budden's podcast, I believe it was episode... 184 or one uh, let me get it for you um bear with me here push a t joe button podcast uh episode 188 of the joe button podcast push a t appeared and explained that kanye did not tell drake i mean kanye did not tell pusha about drake's kid so whether you want to believe Pusha T or not, I don't believe that Pusha is a liar. I don't. And actually on the podcast, he said that it was 40, who was Drake's main producer, a woman that 40 was involved with, told Pusha T that information. And then Drake was rumored to have paid a series of people $100,000 a piece to find more dirt on Pusha T. You should really listen to that episode because it really broke down that Pusha Drake beef. Push it himself, like explain the whole shit. You should really listen to it. Um, it's really good, actually, if you want to know a little more information on that. But basically, I'm saying all these things to say that the way that the world and including myself was looking at Kanye West was in a negative light to where we didn't know that he would be able to rebound from this, especially because the albums were not good. It's always been. You say some bullshit, you do some bullshit, you put out a good album, we forget about it. This time around, though, you're saying a lot of bullshit, you're doing a lot of bullshit, you're falling out of favor with a lot of people, and the music is not good. So where does that leave you, right? 2019, Jesus is King comes out. Again, I'm not here to talk about no religious music in terms of it's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, Because if someone is speaking about their personal belief in God, their personal beliefs, period. It's not my place to say, yo, you, you that shit is ass, bro. You sing about God, that's ass. Like, that's that's just crazy to me. So, but Jesus is King, in terms of a musical album, wasn't good. It just wasn't. It wasn't. So, now you're saying, okay, Kanye West is a billionaire, right? He got the Yeezy clothes, the Yeezy clothes, the shoes, He's got money out the wazoo. 
he don't really need music anymore. But how are we going to think about Kanye West when it's all said and done? Is he going to make more music? Is he still on this gospel shit? What is going to happen? We already are not fucking with this man. From Jay-Z beef, to the bad rollout, to the Drake beef, to the bad projects, to the just the general bullshit wearing the MAGA hat. Then he said he was running for president. Then he said that slavery was a choice. Like, so much bullshit he'd been doing. So we were just like, yo, there was a legitimate Kanye fatigue. Legitimate. There are some people who still have not forgiven him for all the shit that he said. And I understand. You can't say slavery was a choice, bro. You, it's called slavery. <laughs> and it, that in itself eliminates it from being a choice. That was, some, that was one of the worst things to ever say ever. Wearing that stupid ass fucking Make America Great Again hat. So fucking stupid. Going shaking hands with this nigga. Rubbing elbows with this nigga. Stupid as fuck. Stupid as fuck. So when now when we hear the new album is going to come out. Now we're a little, conf- now we're, we're on the fence. I know a lot of true Kanye fans who are on the fence, and I was on the fence too. I made it a point not to watch these listening sessions that he was doing. But in the back of my mind, I said, this is still Kanye here. He can still make some shit that's good. He can still do some shit that's good, even though he's been doing a lot of bullshit. He can still do it, because you just remember Dropout. Late Registration, Graduation, 808s and Heartbreak, Dark Twisted Fantasy, Watch the Throne, Cruel Summer, Jesus. Like, you just have this all in your mind of all the great shit he's done. So you're thinking, like, yeah, he could do it again, but does he want to? So when the album came out, I, I believe I said it on the podcast, whenever it does come out, I need a few weeks to talk about it. It just so happened that I took three weeks off and then the shit came out, so I got a lot of time to listen to it. But... In terms of the album itself, it was great. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Just just because hearing yay, hearing Jesus is king, like you could tell like this shit wasn't he ain't he ain't really put the sauce on it. He ain't put his foot on it like he usually does with his music. He didn't. And I'm never going to sit here and say that finding God is bad. I'm never going to sit here and say that becoming a more devout religious believer is bad. So that's why Jesus is King is like, you can't, you can't really, really say much about it, or at least I can't. I'm not going to give it a rating or anything, but it wasn't great. And it was only seven songs long. So it was like, it wasn't even a full body of work. And when this shit came out, Donda, I'm like, this is it. This is what Jesus is King should have been. This is what Ye should have been. A full body of fucking work. A, a body of work that sounds inspired. That sounds like you really put your blood, sweat, and tears into the shit. An album that sounds like you really fucking worked on it. Not that you just put the shit together, got some expensive samples, and... I said, fuck it, we doing it. Because all Kanye albums are expensive. Even the little seven song joints. Because sample clearances are not cheap. Okay? Listening parties in Wyoming, even though that was his home, is not cheap. I'm sure they put that on the album, on the label's dime. <laughs> so, when this shit came out, I was like super thrilled. Super thrilled. Um, The reasons why I like it so much is one that it sounds very inspired. It sounds like... He really locked in and wanted to make a great body of work. Um, is a great glimpse into his life currently. 
He's talking about the kids. He's talking about his uh, relationship with Kim Kardashian. Uh, earlier in the year, they had filed for divorce officially, but then they, uh, at the third listening party, it appeared like they were recommitted to each other or going to get back with each other. But he talked about a lot of shit with her. He talked about a lot of shit with, you know, his newfound religious beliefs. He even threw some Drake subs in there. It was a great body of work. I really loved it. I did. And the reason why I'm saying that this is what Jesus is King should have been. If you were going to go into the religious space and make an album that we conceive as a gospel album because of a lot of the religious themes, you got to do a better job at it. And with this joint, there is a lot of religious content in it, right? There's a lot of religious content in it, but it was a great job of blending gospel with with current hip hop. That's what it did. It blended gospel music, gospel sounds, gospel themes, right, with current hip hop. So you can have an album with Fabio on it, who's a drill artist. You can have an album with Lil Durk on it. You can have an album with Young Thug on it, right, and still have it come off as you know gospel themes. They had a he had a he had a song with West Side Gun and Conway on it, and it's called Keep My Spirit Alive. So that is what. I really liked like these are the things that I, I really liked like it was the great blending of the gospel with current hip-hop it was great 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 production Jesus Christ this man could make some beats <laughs> this guy could make some fucking beats man let me tell you okay it just sounds inspired and it's great I really thought it was good and also when I first looked at it I look I went on genius to look at the track list just to see all the features before I listened to the songs, I said, these are, I said to myself, this is a lot of features. And I was a little worried because when you feature a lot of artists, sometimes it waters down the product. Sometimes it makes it too long. This is a very long album anyway. And I was a little worried because the last time I remember a feature heavy album was called, it was called DJ. It was DJ Khaled's album was the one that didn't do that well compared to Tyler, the creator, and he was really upset about it. Um, it was called Father of Assad. It was came out in 2019. And DJ Khaled, that's his game. That's his, that's his MO. He's going to get, he's going to make some great beats. He's going to get some really expensive samples and he's going to put a whole bunch of fucking artists on it. And that's going to be the album. He's been doing that shit for mad long. But with this album in particular, Father of Assad, which came out in 2019, you looked at the names that he had featured on it, but when you listen to the songs, the songs weren't good. They were not good. They were features literally for the sake of features. And that's why Father of Assad didn't do that well. And that's why Tyler, the creator's Igor beat it because you saw all these features on it. I'm going to read some of them to you. This is from Father of Assad. He had Buju Bantan, Mavado, Sizzla, 21 Savage, Cardi B, Big Sean, Chris Brown, Lil Wayne, SZA, J Balvin, Jeremy, Lil Baby, Meek Mill, Travis Scott, Post Malone, John Legend, Nipsey Hussle, CeeLo Green, Nas, like Rick Ross, Young Jeezy, Gunna, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Chance the Rapper, Justin Bieber, Quavo, like he had all these people on it, but when you listen to the album, it wasn't good. It really was not good. It was features for the sake of features, 
right? If, if you can follow. I know I'm all over the place, too. I know I am. But it was features for the sake of features on Father of Assad. So when I saw all the features on Donda, I was worried. I really was. I was like, uh-oh. He's just slapping together mad people on this shit. It's going to be trash. It's going to be out of sync. It's going to be like, you know, if you got Fabio and Playboy Cardi on a song, how is that going to work? Like, Playboy Cardi loves to sing in that baby voice and Fabio's Brooklyn Drill. Like, how is this going to work? And when I listened to it, I said, I am sorry, Kanye West, because holy shit, this shit was great. This shit was great. It is 27 total songs. And I really only wanted to rate it off of the first 23 songs because the last four are just part twos, meaning uh, songs that he didn't make original versions. So, for example, he has a song called Jail featuring Kanye West. And another song at the end of the album is called Jail Part Two. And instead of Kanye West on it, it's the baby and Marilyn Manson. He did it with another song called OK OK which he put Ruga and Shensia on part two, but part one of OK OK was Fabio, Lil Yachty, and Ruga. So that's just the example. He did that four times. He did that with Jail, OK OK, Junior, and Jesus Lord. And I really didn't want to judge it off that. So I'm really just judging it off the first 23 songs. I felt like the last four was kind of unnecessary, but whatever. It's him. It's, this is some Kanye shit. So we're going to go through the track list. I'm going to read them to you. Track one is the Donda chant featuring Selena Johnson. It's literally Selena Johnson for a minute saying Donda. Now, when I read a little more about it, it apparently was a tribute to his late mother. Um, the the times that Selena Johnson says Donda is supposed to represent her final heartbeats. So, okay. It's a weird way to start the album, but I understand the symbolism of it. So, whatever. We can't score that. It's literally Selena Johnson just saying Donda over and over again. But this is where the album really starts. Jail featuring Kanye West, featuring Jay Z. I'm sorry. Fire. God breathe featuring Vori. Fire. Off the grid featuring Fabio Foreign and Playboy Cardi. Shout out to Fabio Foreign, New York's own. This is the best feature on the album. This is it for me, at least. I can't speak for nobody else. Fabio on Off the Grid is the best feature on Donda. The next song, Hurricane, The Weekend, Little Baby. Great. Praise God featuring Baby Keem and Travis Scott. Shout out to Baby Keem. I need to listen to his new album called The Melodic Blue, and I will get to it, and I will talk about it on the show. I just haven't had a chance to listen to it. Jonah featuring Lil Durk and Vori. Great. Okay, okay. Fabio Foreign, Lil Yachty and Ruga. Great. Junior featuring Playboy Cardi. Great. The next song, Believe What I Say, which had a great Lauryn Hill sample on it. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, this is, believe what I say, I think is my favorite song off of the album. The next is 24 featuring the Sunday Service Choir. Great song, Remote Control featuring Young Thug. Great song, Moon featuring Kid Cudi and Don Tolliver. Amazing. Heaven and Hell, amazing. Donda featuring Stallone and Tony Williams, amazing. All these shits is great. <laughs> Keep My Spirit Alive featuring West Side Gun and Conway the Machine and K-Sai. Fantastic. Jesus Lord featuring Electronic, J Electronica amazing and also he had a um uh, a feature from larry hoover jr the son of larry hoover senior uh it was which is very very good it was very surprising as well new again featuring chris brown great tell the vision featuring pop smoke i didn't love because i felt like you know 
kind of oversaturation of pop. Like, you know, he passed away early and we loved him and he was going to be a star. But I think like we need to let him rest in peace. You know, like I feel like they're kind of digging up his grave a lot just to make a lot of songs like he released since he's passed away. It's been like three albums to come out. He's been on a lot of features. I feel like, you know, we got to let this man rest. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of oversaturation of it. And it didn't really do much to the album. It was just like a song. This was like the only like song that was just like, why is this here? But again, I understand. Hopefully the money proceeds that come from the song go to Pop's family. I would, I would love to hear that. I haven't heard that yet. I would hope that happens. But yeah, I think that we need to let Pop Smoke rest in peace. Like I feel like, you know, we're we're kind of going crazy with it. You know, just keep putting his vocals on songs. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm not articulating that correctly. I'm gonna move on. Lord, I need you is the next song featuring the Sunday Service Choir. Very good. Pure Souls featuring Roddy Rich and Sencia. Awesome. Come to life. Awesome. And No Child Left Behind featuring Vori and the Sunday Service Choir. Awesome. And I I just really like I don't know, man. I don't I don't know how to wrap my brain around it the first time I heard it. I was like, this is some crazy ass shit. Like high key. This is some crazy ass shit. Like a gospel album that sounds like a current hip hop album. A hip hop album that was made in 2021. It was great. It was great, man. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved the Drake subs, even though, to, and let, let me get this out of the way too. I'm a Kanye West fan, a Kanye West stan, let me clarify. But I'm also a big, big, big fan of Drake. I am a really huge fan of Drake. I think Drake is amazingly talented. I think he's a great writer. I think he's a great rapper, a great rapper. I think people get com- like sort of, confused because drake has the ability to just morph into whatever he wants if he you know the album views had a lot of reggae vibes with it had a lot of afro beats on it so that was him in that lane then the albums you know he likes to sing a lot he likes to do play with melodies a lot but drake is an amazing rapper like he can spit with the best of them i'm not here to try and diminish drake's talent because that boy could go he can go, okay? He is a great rapper, a great singer, a, a you know, a great performer. Like Drake is the man. So to see that Kanye and Drake have beef is like really kind of disappointing because you would want the greats to work with each other. You want the greats to be in collaboration with each other. And I think that we've really suffered because of this stupid ass beef where Drake thinks Kanye ratted him out and always trying to little bro him. Kanye thinks that Drake is wildin'. He's, you know, in his feelings and he got shit mixed up. And also that he is Kanye West, so you need to be showing him respect more. <sighs> it's kind of stupid. These two grown ass men who are acting like kids, in my opinion. But beyond all of that, I really don't give a fuck about this beef. I really don't care. Um, if anything, it should be Drake versus Pusha T, not Drake versus Kanye West. That's what I really would want to see if they was really going to have a bar fest like Pusha T versus Drake. That's what I really wanted to see. Not Pusha T versus um, not Drake versus Kanye. I think it's really stupid. I think that we've really been robbed as fans of both of them. 
to not hear more songs where they're working together. That's my opinion. Um, I also don't have a deep dive on Certified Lover Boy. I maybe do that on another show because it does need to be discussed. But, you know, we're going crazy on this Donda shit. So I know I'm not going to have enough time for it. But, you know, just the album itself in the in the big lens and the big framing. I don't care about what's better, Donda or Certified Lover Boy. I really don't care about that because their beef is stupid to, to me, at least to me. Um, but this was a great album, man. It was a great album. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I love to hear how he would blend gospel with current hip hop. He did an amazing job with it. Shout out to all the producers on this shit. Shout out to Mike Dean who worked. <laughs> they had Mike Dean, man. Oh God, Kanye had Mike Dean in the headlock, yo. Shout out to Mike Dean, man. Shout out to everyone who produ- who helped this album. And I thought it was great, man. If I'm, if I'm gonna give it a rating out of ten, Donda is an eight point five. 8.5 rating out of 10. This shit was great. I really loved it. And um, we'll see what he does next with it. You know, you know Kanye, man. He, he'll tell you he drops he's dropping another album tomorrow, and then you gotta wait three years. You know, so <laughs> after Life of Pablo, you know, it took five years to get Donda a f- another full-length album. So who knows if he'll ever even do another one. So if this is the last one that we get. I'm happy with it. If I never hear him rap again on a song or make another album again, I'm happy. And I just really would like for him and Drake to try and reconcile because Kanye West is four, like 42 years old and Drake is like 34 years old. These niggas is too old for this shit. And that's my opinion. So Donda, the review, great album. Great, great, great album. Amazing features. Sounds very inspired. Gave a great glimpse, great glimpse into his current life situations. Amazing production and song music quality. Um, and just a great album. My score, 8.5 out of 10. Shout out to Kanye West and all the members who worked on this album for a great, great job done. Shout out to Donda. 8.5 out of 10. Yes! Yes! And so moving right along, you guys can follow me and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Rogers Neighborhood. Instagram is R-O-D-G-E-R-S-N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-H-O-O-D. Twitter is the exact same, except there are no vowels in neighborhood on Twitter. And I'm saying this and repeating it for the one millionth time because I ask you guys weekly to send in comments, questions, concerns, feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you have for me. And you guys are the best. You guys never let me down. And I truly, truly appreciate it. So we're going to answer some of the questions that we have received here. I will say it's only one question for today because I've been gone for a long time. So we got mad other shit to talk about. So I'm only going to do one question, but I do truly still appreciate you guys who send in the questions, send in the love and all the other things that you guys do for me on social media. Here is the question for today. It says, what would an exact opposite of you be like? Well, that's an easy question. This is not going to take long. The exact opposite of me as a person already exists. It is my oldest sister 
who was on the pod on episode, I believe it was 61. I called her and I had her talk about Kodak Black. <laughs> that shit was still funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she that person already exists. It is my oldest sister. Her name is Chetney. Shout out to her. I love her. We could not be any more different. We are complete opposites of each other, like in every way ever. I'm a, I am a neat freak. I'm a, a, a organized person, borderline OCD. I am like, like I am like super like organized and like tunnel visioned and I'm left-handed and she's right-handed and I'm a water sign and she's a fire sign. And like, we are so different. We are so different. We're so different. Like we're yin and yang, literally. So that person already exists. High key. Uh, (laughs) I'm super neat. She's super messy. I'm, you know, I got to make a plan. I got to have like an eight part plan to when I do something, she just goes with the flow, jumps into it. I'm a water sign. She's a fire sign. She's much more fiery and aggressive than me. I'm a more passive and, you know, uh, composed. Like we are just such opposites, such opposites. So to answer your question, that person already exists. Shout out to my older sister. I love her to death, though. I love her to death. But we could not be any more different. We could not be any more different than than we are currently. Okay. So thank you. Thank you so much for that one question. Again, I'm sorry I can't do more. We just got so much to talk about. But I truly, truly appreciate you guys. I appreciate the love and the support. And please, please do not be shy. Send them in. I will not ignore you. If I can't answer the question on the show, I'll make sure to answer it in the DM that you send. Um, And thank you guys for the support, man. I really, truly appreciate it. But only one question for today. I have to because we got so much other shit to talk about. Next on the docket, we have a great, great, great story of scamming. Oh, my God. You guys know I love to talk about when people run scams. When people do crazy stuff, I love talking about these things because it's like very entertaining, at least for me. So this is a story about a fake high school. (laughs) This is a story. This is a story about a fake high school who managed to scam their way onto ESPN, play a game and have the whole world look at this shit and say, what the fuck just happened? I'm going to read you an article from the Washington Post about this crazy ass event. This article was written on August the 31st. It, t- it The headline reads, Bishop Sycamore, IMG, and the high school football game that duped ESPN. The voice on ESPN sounded troubled. It was the second quarter of a high school football game Sunday between National Powerhouse IMG Academy and little known Columbus, Ohio school named Bishop Sycamore. And the game was getting out of hand. Quote, Bishop Sycamore told us they had a number of Division One prospects on their roster. And to be frank, a lot of that we could not verify. Announcer Anish Shroff said. IMG was leading 30 to zero on its way to a 58 to zero victory. 
but Schroff was not worried about the score. He was confused about the player, who the players on the field were for Bishop Sycamore, and he said, concerned, from what we have seen so far, this is not a fair fight, and there's got to be a point where you're worried about health and safety. He wasn't the only one. Quote, it felt like the Twilight Zone, one member of the production crew told the Washington Post. No one thought that they should be playing. It was an embarrassing moment for ESPN, a game that aired on its flagship network between two teams that its announcers were telling viewers had no business playing each other. It only got stranger from there. Bishop Sycamore, a three-year-old independent high school, had booked a slot on ESPN against one of the country's premier teams without ever having won a football game in its brief history. And it turned out the school had just played another game with the same players just two days earlier. The story lit up social media, fueled by the website Awful Announcing, which raised more questions about Bishop Sycamore. Its website was missing basic information, including where it was located. Its coach, Roy Johnson, had helped run a different school that was shut down by the Ohio's Board of Education. Legal troubles have dogged, the, have dogged the school since its founding. Johnson, the Ohio school's coach, was removed from that position, USA Today reported, after the story was published. But in an interview, Johnson says he expressed no regrets. He says, quote, no one had ever heard of us before we got this game. IMG Academy needed a game. The, the boarding school and sports training facility in Brandonton, Florida, is annually one of the top high school teams in the country. It is owned by the media conglomerate Endeavor, and it was created to lure top high school athletes from around the country to focus on training. After reaching out to several schools and finding no takers, Paragon turned to a man in New Jersey named Joe Mamoyne. Mamoyne met Johnson earlier this year after Bishop Sycamore reached out for help scheduling. Mamoyne said he traveled to Columbus, saw the facility where Bishop Sycamore trained and a certificate of recognition from the Ohio Department of Education. He agreed then to add the school to his network. When Paragon came looking for a game for IMG, Mamoyne put the word out to some 200 schools that IMG needed an opponent at the end of August in Canton, Ohio, and only one school responded, Bishop Sycamore. When ESPN televises a high school game, schools usually put together rosters, headshots, and fact sheets about their players and the school. Bishop Sycamore never did that, members of the production team said. Production staffers finally received a roster last week that listed around 10 players with Division I scholarship offers. But according to the two people who reviewed it, it was riddled with mistakes. Many of the offers could not be verified, and some of the players appeared, some of the players appeared not to be on the team. After a Google search offered a few clues about the school, the production team grew very wary, people involved said. The staff raised concerns to superiors at ESPN. On Friday morning, Johnson did not show up to a scheduled Zoom meeting with the production team. And on Sunday morning, producers finally received a single sheet of information from Johnson for the telecast. The sheet read, quote, it is the proudest moment of this program that within three years, this program is on ESPN with over a dozen D1 players, at least the document said. As soon as the game started, 
the production team's worst fears were confirmed. Players' jersey numbers did not match the printed roster, and IMG scored with ease. Bishop Sycamore didn't look like didn't look as if it was even running plays, one person on the production team said. Quote, it was like these four-star and five-star recruits against a JV team. We were really worried. When Johnson founded Bishop Sycamore in 2019, he reached out to officials at a local school, Youth Build Columbus, as a potential partner. Bishop Sycamore would bring new students, all football players, to the school, and the school would provide the players with an education. A memo of the understanding was drafted ahead of the 2019 school year. But things went quickly sideways. The first sign of trouble was when Youth Build learned that the players had been evicted from where they were staying, said Edmund Brown, a lawyer for Youth Build. Youth Build Executive Director Lay Ann King said that the school attempted to find homes for the players afterwards. Johnson said all of the students found housing. Around the same time, Brown said Youth Build received an invoice from an Ohio apparel company looking for a payment around $6,000 for uniforms and equipment that Bishop Sycamore had ordered. But Youth Build's Board of Governors had not approved this cost, Brown said. Youth Build cut ties with Bishop Sycamore before the memo was signed. Asked about the designation, Johnson said the school was founded by ministers, that the students pray before the games, and that the school infuses life lessons with biblical themes. Quote, when we talk about speaking with one voice, we talk about the Tower of Babel, he said. Bishop Sycamore will have to apply again for renewal of recognition from the state. On Monday, the Columbus Dispatch visited the physical address listed by Bishop Sycamore on his documentation with the state and found his indoor facility with no classrooms. And by Tuesday, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine had called for an investigation into Bishop Sycamore as its, as its opponents began pulling out from games. Round of applause for the scam of the motherfucking year. Bishop motherfucking Sycamore and Roy Johnson. Round of applause. It's fucking amazing to me how much like bullshit can happen in this world. Like even in even in present times, 2021. In order to get some shit on ESPN, in order to get some shit on television, you have to go through mad shit. They don't just let you show up and appear on TV. As the article said, the production team was asking for shit. They wasn't giving it. They asked him to show up for a meeting. He wasn't showing up. There was no real information. The uniforms didn't match the players. There was no real information on the players. He said that the, the players were had D1 scholarships. They called the schools allegedly that they had the scholarships too. None of them shits was real. And they still managed to get on television and play football against IMG Academy. This shit is fucking incredible. I know I had the scam of the year earlier as uh, my guy Takashi Miyagawa the man who scammed um, 35 women into uh, buying him gifts because he told them that he loved them. And then I had it at Salvatore Garo, the Italian, uh, the Italian artist who sold an invisible sculpture for 18, over 18 grand. But this takes the cake. This takes the motherfucking cake. Shout out to the scammer of the year, 
Roy Johnson and the fake high school Bishop Sycamore who got somehow, some way onto ESPN, played a real football game with not real football players. He was not a real coach. Okay, and managed to get on motherfucking ESPN, bro. That's incredible to me. Like, when I first saw it on Twitter, it was like, who the fuck, you know, Bishop Sycamore, like, they're getting blown out, right? 58 to nothing. I just thought, okay, well, you know, I know IMG Academy. You know, I know a lot of athletes who go to IMG Academy. Not know them personally, but I know a lot of athletes who have gone there. Like, you know, trying to get their athletic career jump-started. It's sort of like a prep school. Like Oak Hill Academy, if you're familiar with basketball, it's sort of like that. Um, but man, like when I first people started making jokes, like you know, Bishop Sycamore is fake, so everything that was fake turned out to be Bishop Sycamore. They said that Cam Newton was gonna go play for Bishop Sycamore and shit like that. Like it was, it was just a joke. I didn't think of it much. I just thought it was like a team who showed up on TV and got their ass kicked. I didn't think much of it. I really didn't. But the more and more you read about this shit, you like, yo, this nigga really just pulled off a major scam, like the scam of the year. Really? Like, how is it possible that you have no documentation, you have no classroom, but you claim to be a school, you don't do interviews, the players that you have listed as D1 commits, which means Division One college, meaning like the top of the top schools in the NCAA, um, you have players who you claim to be Division One school permits per, admits. They do research on it. They can't find it, and you still get to. You have a, a six thousand dollar bill from an Ohio apparel company that you did not pay to get the uniforms. You have students who claim to have not have housing because, and this is supposed to be a school that provides that for you, and you still manage to get on ESPN. Now, now I know they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe they were desperate for a game. That's why they reached out to Joe uh, Joe Mamoyne to help them get a game. It's possible, but like there were so many red flags on this shit. If the nigga who run the school don't even want to sit down and talk, and he claims that this is the biggest moment for the school, you could guess that something's off. If the production team goes on and looks up the names of the players and they can't find them in any school database, then you have to know that something is off. I don't know how this game got allowed to be played. But that's the, he, like, yo, yo, this shit was unbelievable to me. This shit was unbelievable to me. Bishop motherfucking Sycamore. (laughs) Scam the shit out of ESPN, dog. Scam the shit out of them. I hope, like, really, I really hope, like, in the next year two years three years or so they make a a bishop sycamore documentary like they did with the tiger king like or like a 30 for 30 bishop sycamore the high school that didn't exist like because this story is something that's amazing i don't think i've ever heard of a fake school with fake players infiltrating their way onto espn with a fake coach like everything about it was fake the school was fake the coach was fake the players were fake the uniforms were not paid for. <laughs> Everything was fake. Everything was fake. And they still managed to get on ESPN and play football. It was it's incredible. It's incredible, man. 
Oh my God. This is unequivocally. I know I've said it before and I changed it. Is on this date. This is unequivocally the scam of the year. Shout out and big love to Roy Johnson and Sycam Bishop Sycamore for pulling this shit off. And this is the 2021 scam of the year. We need another round of applause for Roy Johnson. Please let me give another round of applause. Another salute to the scam of the year, Roy Johnson and Bishop Sycamore High School. Next on the docket, we're going to stay in our sports lane here. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about Paul Pierce, uh, a front runner, another front runner for another award that I like to give out called the Real Nigga of the Year Award. Um, but before we talk about Paul Pierce, I do want to say congratulations to him along with uh, Rick Adelman, Chris Bosch, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, uh, Bill Russell as a coach, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, Jay Wright, uh, Bob Dandridge, Pearl Moore, Tony Kukoc, Clarence Jenkins, Val Ackerman, Colin Fitzsimmons, and Howard Garfinkel as the 2021 inductees into the Basketball Hall of Fame, which is an amazing accomplishment that not everyone gets in. You have to be very special as a player. You have to be very special as a coach or as a contributor to the game to receive such a distinction. So congratulations to the entire class of 2021 for getting into the Hall of Fame. But back to Chris back to not Chris back to Paul Pierce I want to talk to <laughs> to you guys about his uh his thoughts about his own video which set the internet ablaze uh, I believe in April Paul Pierce posted a video to IG live where he was at a party a house party it seemed normal everyday stuff guys get together have a party drink alcohol play beer pong watch the game listen to music that's regular degular shit but what made this party a little bit different for Paul Pierce was it was a stripper party. OK, my man's wherever he lived, got some strippers, uh, uh, not just one or two. It was at least like 10 or 15 in his in a house and they got it in. OK, and at the time when the video was released, Paul Pierce was still working for ESPN. So what I want to read to you is an article from Complex.com about Paul Pierce and his thoughts on the IG stripper party and working for ESPN. This article was written and put out on September the 7th, 2021. Paul Pierce and ESPN were never meant to be. The former Celtic star was fired in April following a video he posted on Instagram Live that showed him gambling and smoking with some friends in the presence of some twerking strippers. In a new interview with Sports Illustrated tied to his upcoming Hall of Fame induction, Pierce admitted that the partnership was never a great fit. Pierce said he was done with ESPN at, by the time the incident occurred, citing the travel and the way too demanding network executives as the reasons why he'd never loved the job. There was also of the matter of having to talk about his former rival on the air ad nauseum. Quote, there is a lot of stuff over there that you can't say, and you always have to talk about LeBron. Pierce also explained why he didn't apologize for the video, despite advice from his agent, Jeff Schwartz, who didn't want fallout with ESPN to impact Pierce's chances of making the Hall of Fame. Pierce says, quote, 
Come on. I didn't do anything illegal. These motherfuckers in the Hall of Fame. Some do cocaine, fucking battery. What the fuck did I do? I was just having a good time. All the people coming after me, half you motherfuckers do the same shit. You're just hiding it. All of you are married while you're doing it. I'm divorced, I'm retired, and I'm having fun. In fact, instead of issuing an apology, Pierce dissed ESPN in late May after revealing he hit the lottery with cryptocurrency Ethereum. At ESPN, he said, I don't need you. I got Ethereum Max and I made more money with this crypto in the past month than I did with y'all in a year. Truth shall set you free. Pierce became an analyst for ESPN's NBA Countdown and the Jump after retiring from the NBA in 2017. In August of 2017, he became a regular studio analyst prior to the start of the 2018 season. Paul Pierce, I believe, is the real nigga of the year. Paul Pierce had a party with strippers, had a <laughs> had a party with strippers, left ESPN, told ESPN he makes more money than them, <laughs> and still made the Hall of Fame. Like, that is fucking incredible. That's incredible. Now, I, and also you have to understand, like, you know, ESPN is going to put on television what people like, what sells, Right. So if you ever have watched ESPN or any of these sports networks like Fox Sports 1 or any of the other ones that produce content, um, you notice that they talk about sort of the same things a lot because they know that that is what people want to hear, people want to see. So you're going to see a lot of things about the Dallas Cowboys just because that is a team that a lot of people have interest in, whether they love them or they hate them. Hate in this in the industry is just as good as love. Because if you hate me and you're talking about me, it's just as like if you love me. So they put the Cowboys on TV a lot. They put the Lakers on TV a lot because of LeBron. When LeBron was with the Cavs, they put LeBron on a lot. When LeBron was at the Heat, they put LeBron on a lot because LeBron is the biggest star in the league. Uh, if anything happens with the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they're going to put that on TV. If anything happens in the world of baseball, like with Shohei Otani, the Japanese player who pitches and hits home runs, they're going to put it on TV because these are the things that people want to see. So if you're a former basketball player, right, you just walk away from the game, you get a job at ESPN, as a lot of these uh, former athletes do because they have a different perspective, it would be kind of funny to have to talk about the dude who you just finished playing against and who you've had a long storied history with. It would be weird. But again, if you're chasing the bag, you're going to do what you got to do to get that paper. It appeared that Chris, that Paul Pierce, I don't know why I keep calling him Chris, Paul Pierce just was just had enough with it. You know, some athletes aren't meant to be in the studio. For example, a guy like Jalen Rose is incredible doing his studio thing. He's incredible. I don't know if you guys are fans of Jalen Rose, but I think he does a great job with his shit. Like, I think he's one of the best athletes on television. Um, in addition to Shannon Sharp, if you guys like Undisputed on Fox Sports, I think he's a great former athlete who is in the sports world or in the media world. Even Brandon Marshall, who was with Fox Sports 1, but then decided to leave to pursue his own other shit. Him, Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco, however you like to call him, Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder have a great podcast called the I Am Athlete Podcast. So there are some athletes who are really good at the media game. 
There's some athletes who are just literally doing it for the money. And I think Paul Pierce was just doing it for the money, to be honest. Like, I, I mean, I feel like Paul Pierce, he don't give a fuck about this shit. He loved the Celtics and Doc Rivers, and that's it. Like, that's the, he only played for, he played for the Celtics, the Wizards, and the Clippers. But, I mean, if you think of Paul Pierce, you think of the Boston Celtics. That's the team that he loved the most. And as a Boston Celtics player, and I'm guessing a lifelong member, he has no reason to like LeBron James whatsoever. When LeBron was with Cleveland his first go-round, the Celtics were one of his biggest rivals. When LeBron went to Miami, he, the Celtics were one of his biggest rivals. When, <laughs> and when now LeBron plays for the Lakers, which is the Celtics' biggest rival. So there's no reason for Paul Pierce to love LeBron. There's no reason for Paul Pierce to be happy when LeBron does shit good and has to talk about it on fucking ESPN. He, he don't want to do that shit. So he said, fuck it, man. I'm retired. I ain't got a wife. I'm about to have a party with a bunch of bitches because I got money and fuck it. And then he put it to IG Live. He had no regrets. I love that shit. I love that shit. I want to hang out with my strippers. I want to get twerked on. I want to drink and smoke my cigars. And I'm still in the fucking Hall of Fame. What you going to say now? And I'm making mad bread with this crypto. Shout out to fucking Paul Pierce, man. Shout out to Paul Pierce. Shaq properly properly named him when he named him the truth <laughs> okay if you guys don't know actually that's how paul pierce got his nickname uh paul pierce and the Celtics were playing the lakers and he was killing them Shaq called him the truth um but that is just one of the most accurate nicknames like ever because paul pierce is the fucking truth like he don't it seems like he don't give a fuck when you watched him on espn i don't know how many of you guys did he was doing the show like he ain't give no fuck. He was saying wild shit. He would like make these wild ass predictions. He did the show like he didn't give a fuck. So what do you expect him to say like when he's getting interviewed now? He already made the Hall of Fame. He was going to make the Hall of Fame regardless. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he didn't give not one fuck about this shit. He really didn't. So shout out to him, man. Like. Just being a real nigga and still getting his rewards, still getting his just due. I, I, I salute the brother. I salute the brother. So shout out and big love to Paul Pierce, the motherfucking truth, and a, a very, very, very high front runner for real nigga of the year. Shout out to the truth, Paul Pierce. And what I want to do for you guys, just to show you some of Paul Pierce's best moments, is play you a small clip compilation of some of his wildest takes while he was working for ESPN. Just to show you, like, this guy was just getting on camera and saying whatever. Like, he really did this job. Like, he did not give a fuck about it. Please listen to this greatness. This is some of Paul Pierce's best reactions, moments, and or opinions from his time on ESPN. I could probably get a layup versus the Lakers right now. Whoa. Oh, I had them broad shoulders. That's why I could just put the shoulder in you. And DeMar reminds me a lot of myself. You see all these kids doing a step back is because I pioneered. Oh, my. So you created the step back? No, I just made it famous. I'm in three-pointers made, Clay 18th. You scored over 2,600 more points over the same span as Clay's career. So I ask you, is Clay a better wing shooter than you were in yes. your prime? What's your accent, Paul? <laughs> is he a better wing shooter? It's okay. You can say yeah. I'm going to say no. <laughs> because this is why. In clutch situations. Why are you starting with that? <laughs> it was money in the bank. <laughs> Fine. Back to Paul. 
Who's the best wing shooter of all time? The best wing shooter of all time? Ooh. Right now, it's Ray Allen, but it will be Steph. It will be? It will be Steph. He's not a wing, though. Wait. What is Steph? He's a point guard. Uh, he's a wing guy. What? He's What's a wing guy. He's a combo man, guard. That's not a point man, guard. Get this show over with, He's man. a wing guy. But Ray Allen, he's so the best So Steph Curry is not a, he's a wing guy? Yeah, he, he just What is a wing guy? He just I like it. Point. Wing guy is a combo. He's a hybrid. And then, then, then Clay. Okay, so Clay right is, now it's Ray Clay Allen. Is a, then it's going to be Steph. Then it's going to be Steph, then, then it's Clay. it's going to be Clay? Wow, that's a weird chart. Okay. Well, the numbers are going to speak when it's all said and done. Would you get the segment over with? Uh, no, we the, got more. I mean. All right, we, at least we can agree. Uh, peak, Heat, Big 3, or Celtics, Big Uh-oh, three. easy. This is we easy. If we was all in our prime versus them and they prime. Oh, here we go. They would, they, they would sit on no championships <laughs> right now. Star 5 right here live on air. Live on air. Magic Johnson. Yes. I'm going Michael Jordan, I'm going Kobe at the three, I'm going Russell at the four, and then you I You ain't even see Russell play. Hey, get listen, out. he got another. Listen, listen, it's, no, listen, listen. It's about a balance. I need a balance. I need a balance in the lineup. You played against TBD. I need TV a balance D. in the lineup. I'll then take it. Bill Russell. Who's your center? Hey, you take. Hey, both NBA Finals MVP. You have him in career points. He's got more playoff points. You are a more clutch shooter overall. He's got. More playoff points. Paul, riddle me this. Who's the better NBA player? That's easy. I can say that off the bat. That's me. <laughs> if you give me Shaq, if you give me LeBron, it is on the big three. Yeah, we got that late, but like early in my career. If I you, mean, what are you if doing? If you give right me now? these guys early in my career. What, what, let me ask you this. What would have been a perfect time for you, Paul? Let's make sure we get this right. I was 24 years old, okay. you give me Shaq. He isn't here to defend his honor. I'm no, well, I'm south of the way, way. Magnificent. No, it's my turn. My turn. No, 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 my turn. Oh, don't backtrack. Right. Don't backtrack. He's made all NBA first team twice. Paul hasn't done it. He made all NBA eight times to your four. Ooh. He's made all defensive team three times to oh. your zero. Ooh, zero. That's rough. He's won one scoring title. You weren't able to win a scoring title. That's too bad. He has three rings. You have one ring. Ooh, three is bigger than one. What are you Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Paul Pierce, man. Watching him on TV, it was funny as hell. They would have him on NBA Countdown, and they would have him on The Jump, and they would have him on Sports Center, and one other show I can't remember. But he would just go on and say wild shit like he would say that he was better than all the players that they asked he would say he pioneered shit he would say that he was the creator of things he would say that he's better than all these other like it was just great it was great content like because he was doing the show like that guy at the barbershop who <laughs> thinks that he was better than every other you know basketball player or every other football player like he was talking he was talking on espn like that like everybody knows you go to the barbershop there was that one guy who played varsity in high school and said he could have made the NBA or said he could have made the NFL or MLB, but because of an injury or because of favoritism or whatever, he didn't make it. So shout out to Paul Pierce. That's exactly how he was on ESPN doing the shit, like talking like that random dude at the barbershop who thought he was better than everybody. <laughs> shout out to the front runner, one of the front runners for real nigga of the year, Paul The Truth Pierce. Next on the docket, I do have a serious uh, story that I want to bring to you guys' attention or just talk about briefly. Um, it was about it is about the ongoing trial or case of Ahmaud Arbery. 
Ahmaud Arbery was a 25-year-old black man um, who was killed uh, in Georgia, I believe last summer. Um, he was jogging uh, in a neighborhood and two white males, uh, father and son, saw him jogging, pursued him and shot him dead with a shotgun while a friend of theirs recorded it on a cell phone video. One of the biggest uh, uh, sticking points when the Black Lives Matter protests were really bubbling last summer of 2020, along with Breonna Taylor and uh, George Floyd. Ahmaud Arbery's name was synonymous with those three. Um, you could also add Jacob Blake to that list in terms of 2020. Um, and there was some, there's a new uh, updates in the trial. So um, there's an article I want to read to you guys from Yahoo. This was written on September the 8th, 2021. And it's about the ex-prosecutor who was involved with the Ahmaud Arbery uh, situation. Um, the headline for this story reads, ex-prosecutor charged in Ahmaud Arbery case booked in jail. The former prosecutor charged with misconduct for her handling of the Ahmaud Arbery case was booked out of Georgia jail on Wednesday and released. Former Brunswick Judicial Circuit District Attorney Jackie Johnson turned herself in Wednesday morning at the Glynn County Jail. County Under Sheriff Ron Corbett said jail records show she was released on her own reconnaissance, meaning she did not have to pay a cash bond. A grand jury indicted Johnson, 49 years old, last week on a felony charge of violating her oath and office and a misdemeanor count of obstructing the police. Johnson was the area's top prosecutor when three white men uh, fatally shot Ahmaud Arbery last year. The indictment alleges she used her position to discourage police from making arrests in the killing of the 25-year-old black man. Greg McMichael and his grown son, Travis McMichael, armed themselves and pursued Arbery in a pickup truck on February the 23rd, 2020, after they spotted Arbery running in their neighborhood just outside of the port city of Brunswick, about 70 miles south of Savannah, Georgia. A neighbor, William Bryan, joined the chase and took cell phone video of Travis McMichael shooting Arbery at close range with a shotgun. Greg McMichael told police they suspected Arbery was a burglar and Travis McMichael shot him in self-defense. Prosecutors have said Arbery was unarmed and carrying no stolen items when he was slain. The McMichaels and Brian were, were not charged in the killing until more than two months later, after the video was leaked online and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation took over the case. Now, all three men are scheduled to stand trial this fall on murder charges. Greg McMichael worked for Johnson as an investigator in the district attorney's office before retiring in 2019. Phone records introduced in court show he called Johnson and left her a voicemail soon after the shooting. Johnson had previously denied any wrongdoing, saying she recused her office from the case immediately because of its relationship with Greg McMichael. The attorney Georgia, um, the Georgia attorney general, Chris Carr's office is now prosecuting Johnson. Carr sought the misconduct investigation last year, saying that the first outside prosecutor he appointed to handle the case had been recommended by Johnson, who never disclosed that she had already asked the prosecutor to advise the police in the immediate aftermath of Arbery's killing. 
The outside prosecutor, Waycross Judicial Circuit District Attorney George Barnhill, later recused himself, but not before sending a letter to the Glenn police advising he believed that the shooting of Arbery was justified. Johnson lost re-election last year and blamed the controversy over Arbery's death for her defeat. This is a big deal to me, at least. I'm so glad that this is happening. When the Ahmaud Arbery story broke, again, I said it broke over the summer, but it really uh, the situation occurred in February. But we didn't receive news and see video and see things, details about it until the summer months. Um, And I think this shit is really important because this is just a showing of how when white people, especially white people in power, do things racially motivated, they always have a system of of. Uh, uh, what's the word of like escape? They always have an escape plan. So the man who shoots Ahmad Arbery close range execution style with a shotgun knows he can call this woman and he can get off. Like they weren't pursued in this until two full months. In two months, he could have literally relocated. He could have moved from Georgia. He could have moved out of the country because he had all of this time. And he only had this time because of his connections. So he did something clearly racially motivated, claimed that Ahmad Arbery was a thief, a burglarer, even though he was run, he was literally exercising, just going for a run with no items on him except his cell phone and headphones. They follow him. They get a friend to record it. They murder him in cold blood and nothing happens to them for 60 days. Like this is this is just what I what what I need to be broken, I suppose, in in the new world, in this newer era of just social consciousness on a large scale, because Ahmaud Arbery didn't deserve that. And Ahmaud Arbery's killers deserve to be persecuted to the utmost extent of the law. And literally, if it wasn't for the video somehow coming on to light, maybe homie shared it with somebody and they were like, oh, hell no, we posting this. I don't know how the video ended up on the Internet. But if it was not for the video, these men would be innocent. Nothing would have happened to them. She recommended that nothing should happen to them. They followed this man, ran down on him, shot him with a shotgun at close range and had their friend record it. And she recommended that nothing should happen to them. She recommended they reacted properly. You know, it's, it's racism is real. You know, you can't deny it. You can't um, act like it doesn't exist. I know certain people try to act like it doesn't. But, you know, how many other Ahmad Arberries are there in the world? That's the question that I have. You know, that's that's a serious question, in my opinion. How many more? How many more people don't get the benefit of a video showing these heinous acts? How many people don't get that? You know, how many people get their lives taken away from them, not even by police, by white citizens who do things on a racial motivated way and they wrote in a racial motive, racially motivated way who don't ever have their feet held to the fire, who always had these friends in high places, who always could get away scot-free on things. You know, I think that is one of the biggest changes that we need to see in the world. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many people you know. If you do something that is heinous, if you do something that is clearly done on the basis of racism, then you do not deserve to be free. You do not deserve two months 
to get your shit together. You don't have to, you don't you shouldn't get all these things that these men were afforded because they knew somebody and because they were all in cahoots together. That shit is so heinous to me. Shooting a man with a shotgun. Having your friend record it. Calling your homie, "Hey yo, we just did some shit. Get us out of it." And having that work for 2 months. I just think that is bullshit. I hope that they don't get off on no technicality. I hope that the jury that they assigned to these really like, you know, put them underneath the jail, underneath the jail. Like, I hope none of them ever get to see the light of day again or freedom again. I should say they'll see the light of day, but freedom again, because what they have done is try to literally undermine the criminal justice system. And try to use the criminal justice system, which is already, um, this is already not in black people's favor generally, and use it to their advantage. And um, I think this shit is bullshit. And I think that, um, you know, this, I hope that this story has a good ending for Ahmaud Arbery's family and for his loved ones because they know, they know the truth. They've known the truth the whole time. They've had to live over a year knowing this. And, you know, the the way that this shit was handled from the jump was disgusting. And I hope that, um, you know, I just hope that his family could have a little bit uh, better sleep when after this whole thing is over because he did not deserve what he got. And the way that they went about the cover up was completely disgusting to me. And um, I just want to say again, rest in peace to Ahmaud Arbery. Rest in peace. A young 25-year-old man who had his life taken away um, for no other reason than racism. And it's just sad. It's really sad. And um, I hope I'm be following this shit closely, just like I did with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's cases. I'm going to be following this shit closely, man. I'm going to be reading stories about it. I might watch the trial. But I really hope that these men and this woman really just get strict severe punishment handed to them for the role that they played in this in the killing the unjust murder of Ahmaud Arbery and that's all I got on it rest in peace once again to Ahmaud Arbery and last on the docket it is the return the return of my NFL predictions so as you guys know the NFL has redone their scheduling to where they have added an additional regular season game so instead of 16 games played over the course of 17 weeks of the regular season now it is 17 games played over the course of 18 weeks of the regular season and because i had taken time off last week was week one so i missed it so this is what i plan on doing i'm still going to predict the games from week two on but what I'm going to try to do is just compare my record of these 16 games that I'm going to predict um, versus the last last year's 16 that I did predict. So my record from last year uh, when I did the final tally was 160 wins, 95 losses and one tie. So my goal for this season, because I missed week one and I can't do all 17, is just to try to finish with a better record than I did last year. So 160 wins, 95 losses, and one tie was my record from last year. What I'm going to try to do is, over the course of these 16 games that I'm going to predict because I missed one week, I'm going to try and do my best to be better 
than what I was last year. So let's get it started. First game that we have on the schedule, Pittsburgh Steelers against the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm not apologizing for that. I will never apologize for that. And I'm going to pick them to win every single game this year, unless there's a catastrophic injury or something where I know that they don't have a chance to win. But if everyone's healthy and all things are equal, I'm picking my Steelers to win. Um, you know, we've got a lot of scrutiny and criticism over our season last season, and it is warranted and is justified. We started off very strong at 11 and 0, and then we ended the season 1 and 4. We ended with a 12 and 4 record and lost in the first round of the playoff to the Cleveland Browns. Ben Roethlisberger is has definitely lost a step, and it shows. We just drafted a running back to try to replace Le'Veon Bell, who should have never let go. Antonio Brown is also thriving in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady just won the fucking Super Bowl. So the Steelers looking right now, they came into the season looking shaky. But one thing I do know, we have a great defense. Shout out to TJ Watt. Shout out to Devin Bush. Shout out to Jav- uh, uh, Cam Hayward. Shout out to Stephon Tuitt. Shout out to Joe Hayden. Shout out to Cameron Sutton. Shout out to uh, Terrell Edmonds if we still have him. I don't even know if we have him still. Shout out to Minka Fitzpatrick if I didn't say him already. We have a great defense. Shout out to the offense who is still going to try their best, Najee Harris. I got a lot of faith in my boy from Alabama. Good running back from Alabama. We got Juju on a prove-it deal. We got Chase Claypool, the sensation from last season, and Deontay Johnson. I think the Steelers have enough to at least make the playoffs, and I'm going to pick them to win every single game, regardless of the situation, unless I know that you know somebody's hurt or whatever. A big, important player's hurt. So, I got the, the Steelers to beat the, Ra- the Raiders. Next game is the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Denver Broncos. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to go through with the season. I don't predict them winning many games. Urban Meyer is already off to a shaky start. I will take the Denver Broncos to win this game. Next game, Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Bills just lost to the Steelers in an upset loss. I hope you guys didn't lose much money on that if you bet it. <laughs> you should have bet for the Steelers, goddammit. They're playing against the Miami Dolphins with Tua the second time around with Tua. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to win this game, even though they're in Miami. It's going to be hot. I still think the Bills are a better team and that they need to win. They cannot start 0-2 after going 13-3 last season. Next game, Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. I got the Cleveland Browns, much better team. Uh, The Cincinnati next game, Cincinnati Bengals and the Chicago Bears. This is an interesting game. The Chicago Bears need to cut this bullshit out and let Justin Fields play straight up i don't know what the issue is i don't know why andy dalton is getting so much clout i don't know why andy dalton's getting so much respect i don't understand it he's not trash he's not a scrub but he's not gonna be the future of the chicago bears he signed a one-year deal justin fields is the future of the team he just went through four years of mitchell trubisky and a quarterback who was drafted way too high who could not live up to those expectations and now you have a sensational player who fell from the gods to you, should have been drafted way earlier, fell to you, you drafted him, and now you don't want to play him. Clearly, he is the more dynamic player. Clearly, he has the better arm. Clearly, he's faster. Clearly, the players seem to respond to him better. I don't know why he's not playing. And if they are continuing on that plan of having Andy Dalton be the starter, I... I don't see them winning many games anyway. It's like you start in Andy Dalton because what? You think you're going to win 
10 games, you think you're going to win 11 games? That's not going to happen. You're not going to win that anyway. So you might as well put the kid out there, let him play, let him make mistakes, let him learn. So that way next season you're better set off to win. That's just my opinion. I don't understand why they're doing they're not doing that. Hopefully over the course of the season, they realize that they need to do that. And they put Justin Fields in because there's no reason to keep playing Andy Dalton. We've seen Andy Dalton. We've seen the best of him. We've seen it already. So I I just don't understand their thinking. I do not want Andy Dalton to get hurt. Of course, I don't want Justin Fields playing because Andy Dalton got hurt. I just think it's better to just have put Justin Fields in, call it a day, and let Andy Dalton coach him up, mentor him up. He's getting paid $10 million anyway. Just let him do that. Like, really. That's my opinion. So for the game, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals to win. I love Joe Burrow. He's playing super confidently. Maybe Joe Burrow's sort of the reason why they don't want Justin Fields to play. Last year, Joe Burrow tore his ACL in his rookie season. I understand that. But they're not in a situation where the team is going to win much anyway. So I think that the Bears need to start Justin Fields anyway. But Joe Burrow played really well last week. He's a very good player. Very, very good young quarterback. They got another speed receiver for him, Jamar Chase, which was his boy at LSU. Should they have taken an offensive lineman in the draft? I think they should have because you want to protect your quarterback. But, hey, they didn't. And Jamar paid dividends last week. I think they will do that again. I'll take the Cincinnati Bengals to win that game. Next game, San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles had a great win last week with Jalen Hurts um, against the Atlanta Falcons. And the uh, San Francisco 49ers suffered a big loss injury, um, losing Raheem Mostert for the year, which is one of their top running backs. But I still will take the San Francisco 49ers to win that game. Next game, New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Let me just say, I'm very, very happy for Jameis Winston. I am super happy for Jameis Winston that he finally is on a team with a great coach that believes in him, who who, he got great tutelage and mentorship under uh, Drew Brees last season in his final season. He said that being under Drew Brees and Sean Payton together really helps his progression, really helps his maturity. And Jameis Winston seems so locked in so driven so dedicated i really hope he has a fantastic season and gets a super bag because he really has put the work in to be a great quarterback and it showed last week through five touchdowns last week i'm very happy for the brother i think the winning ways will continue i will choose the new Orleans saints to win this game next game los angeles rams against the indianapolis colts i think the rams are going to have a great year the way Stafford looked, Matthew Stafford, they got from Detroit. I think the way that he looked with that offense was amazing. I think that Cooper Cup is a great wide receiver along with Robert Woods and Van Jefferson. They did lose their best running back, Cameron Akers, for the year, but they did sign Tony Michelle. And they have uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. And I think their defense is very, very good. Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey. I think that the, the Rams are a great team. I think that the Rams are going to win a lot of games. And I will take them to win against the Colts this week. Next game, New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Um, I will take the New England Patriots. The Jets got a young quarterback as well, Zach Wilson. But I just think that the Patriots defense is very, very good. And I think that they will overwhelm the young rookie, Zach Wilson. um, And their rookie as well, Mac Jones, will play decent uh, enough for them to win. So I will take the Patriots. Next game, Minnesota Vikings and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I will take the... 
you see the thing with Arizona because they had such a great win last week where Kyler Murray looked like he was playing Madden on them folk I feel like they're gonna have an emotional letdown game you know like some teams when they have big big wins that no one expects they always have letdowns the next week and some teams when they have really terrible losses they have big wins the next week I feel like Arizona's gonna fall into that category they had a really really good win last week against Tennessee and I think they're going to have a dip. So I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to win this game. I got the Minnesota Vikings to win. Next game after that is the Atlanta Falcons against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a lead, easy layup for me. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all day. Next game, Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Chargers. Man, I really like Justin Herbert. He is a baller. That boy could play some quarterback. That boy could play some quarterback. Let me tell you, with Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Jared Cook, the Chargers are going to be whoever. If you drafted some Chargers players on your fantasy team, please, you're going to be happy. You're going to be pleased like because they're going to put up points. So <laughs> it's going to be and it's going to be a shootout game against the Cowboys because Dak Prescott has to throw, you know, Ezekiel Elliott. We thought that he would have a great game. It's only one week, so we can't overreact. But he did not have a great game against Tampa, leading all the pressure on Dak. And Dak played very well. I think he threw four touchdowns last week. Um, but so it's going to be a shootout game. I predict this to be a very high scoring game, but I still will take the Chargers to win. Um, regardless of behind Dak's best effort, I still will take the Chargers. Next game after that, Tennessee Titans and the Seattle Seahawks. The Titans got embarrassed last week by the Cardinals. And their, their start to the season does not get any easier because the Seahawks had a great win last week against the Colts. But I think that they will redeem themselves. So I will take the Tennessee Titans to beat the Seahawks next week. Um, the Sunday night football game is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. And boy, do I feel bad for that boy, Lamar Jackson. I feel so bad for him because he lost every single running back in his backfield. They signed Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell off the fucking street. He had no real time because the offensive line sustained some injuries. He's running all over the field like a fucking madman last week against Vegas. And they still only lost in overtime because that's how good Lamar Jackson is. But playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, I wouldn't give you that win even if you had the whole team because Patrick Mahomes and those boys are beasts. So I will take the Kansas City Chiefs to win that game. The Monday night football game is the Detroit Lions against the Green Bay Packers, and I will take the Packers because the Packers got embarrassed last week. I will take them to win and win big. Also, Aaron Rodgers on my fantasy team. Please hook a brother up. And I, again, did not predict in time the Washington football team against the New York Giants. But I'm going to give myself that win because I thought that Washington was going to win that game. So I'm going to give myself that win off the bat. I'm sorry. I'm giving myself that win. And the Thursday night football game for next week, just to get a head start, is the Carolina Panthers against the Houston Texans. And I will take the Carolina Panthers to win that game. Those are the games for week two and start of week three. And let's see how I do. Like I said last year, and I will continue to say, if you are a betting person out there and you like listening to this podcast, Please do not bet on these football games based off what I am saying about them. I'm just a regular degular dude from the Bronx, New York, who loves football. And I have a show where I can talk about shit. So I love to talk about football. Please do not take what I'm saying as gospel. I am not ESPN. I am not Fox Sports. I am not a reporter. I am not a coach. I have never played football at any level. (laughs) So do not take what I'm saying as gospel. Please do not for your own sake. Because if you do lose money based off what I'm saying about football, I will not 
help you recoup. I need to make sure that is 100% clear. If you listen to what I'm saying, it's oh, Denzel said that the Packers were going to beat the Detroit Lions on Monday. And they go out and the Detroit Lions beat the Packers and you bet money on it. Do not hit me up asking me for some money. Do not hit me up saying, yo, I listened to you. You lost me money because I'm telling you right now, do not place bets based off what I'm saying about football, please. And if you do do that, I we are both under the understanding that you did that knowing the risks. OK, so let's see how we do for this NFL season. I'm so glad the NFL is back. My favorite sport ever. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 73 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say thank you once again to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaged with me as well on social media. Please do not forget that your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. We've got hoodies, t-shirts, tote bags, COVID masks, and stickers. The products are quality material. You do not have to worry about them shrinking in the wash or the dryer. You don't have to worry about the prints fading or coming off anything like that. These products are quality material. And I am an independent potter from the BXNY. And supporting the merch is just a great way to help support the podcast um, to keep it going the way that it is. You know, I'm not a sponsor. I don't have any deals. I'm very much independent. I do all of these things by myself. So if you guys feel so inclined, I understand everyone's financial situations are different. But if you feel so inclined, you want to support the show, um, the merch is a great way to do that. Um, And I'm sincerely thankful for every single person who has went out and purchased some merch from me. Uh, Also, I do want to make sure I say this before the pod ends. I would like to say rest in peace, rest in power to Michael K. Williams, a fantastic actor. Um, Maybe you guys know him from The Wire, where he played a character named Omar. He also was in a lot of other films. Uh, He was in Boardwalk Empire, a show on HBO. He also was in a show called Lovecraft Country that came out last year on HBO as well. He was a fantastic actor, um, a fantastic person, a really spirited, energetic, happy, lively person. And he lost his life um, about uh, one week and a half ago. Um, A suspected drug overdose was the case, I mean, was the factor in his death. And I just wanted to acknowledge him because he was a great person, in my opinion. He was a fantastic actor and a good man. Um, And I just wanted to make sure I acknowledge him on the show today. Um, Rest in peace to Michael K. Williams. And guys, man, it feels so good to be back. You know, I try to take time off, you know, every now and then just to give myself a break and possibly go places and do things and just, you know, not worry about the show for a little while because this is hard work. You know, I know a lot of you guys maybe out there think, oh, you just got a mic and you're talking shit, you know, whatever. I know you guys probably do think that. And to a certain extent, it is true. But there is a lot of work that goes into the show. And sometimes I do need to take some time and just rest and just do, you know, get my mind off the show, get my mind off potting. But every single time I take time off, And I come back, I understand why I made the decision to do this shit full time. I really enjoy this shit. I really love doing it. Um, This shit really makes me happy. 
And um, I really just want to keep it going as much as possible, as much as I can. I'm going to do everything I can to keep this show going the way it is. I appreciate all you guys' support for it. And uh, man, I, I couldn't do any of this shit without you guys listening, without you guys supporting. So I really appreciate you guys. Um, and I love potting, man. I really do. So um, I'm just happy to be back. I'm happy to be back in the swing. I'm happy the NFL's back. And I'm I'm really excited for what's coming up in the next few weeks, the next few months doing the pod. So I'm just happy to be back. And, of course, like we do on every show, we're going to fade you guys out with a great, great, great song. And if you took context clues, I spent 40 or so minutes talking about Kanye West's new album called Donda. So I am going to play my favorite song off of his album. And it is called Believe What I Say by Kanye West off of the album Donda. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast episode 73 have a great week have a great weekend out there be safe and i will speak to you guys next week we are out you need something unexpected stop all the you ask you to feel protected And still feel protected Just one time for the wreck it Just one time for the wreck it Don't agree with the message Don't agree with the methods Don't let, don't let the lifestyle drag you down Who knows when was the last time you found the love One last spark up at 5 30 why the hell are you worried play something that is very very vibe worthy i don't want my mind alerting people saying tweeting gonna make you die early how about have my heart hurting hold it on the side that can make you die early gonna get your best attorney something's there feel it when i heard it just release the spirit let it flow though leaving out with one leg like gojo now we to the cross of long nails like coco free throw coke for the throat goes even if I gotta do it solo, even if I gotta do it with no promo, I ain't got my point across till we finally get across and pass the point. So there's a couple things that I gotta quote. Don't involve yourself in things you don't have to know. I ain't never question what you was asking for. I give you every single thing you was asking for. I don't understand how anybody could ask for more. Got a list of even more, I just laugh it off. I be going through things I had to roll. Celebrity drama that only rather know. Too many family secrets, somebody passing notes. Things I cried about, I found laughable. Little baby Jesus ain't laughing, no. Don't involve yourself in things that ain't after, no. The big man upstairs ain't laughing, no. Don't involve yourself in things that ain't after, no. No, here we are. You know. The lifestyle drag you down. Who knows when was the last time you felt the love? One last sparkle to follow in my life. One last sparkle to follow in love. One last sparkle to follow in my life. One last sparkle to follow. Okay, I didn't draw a fit. When you said you wanted to leave, 
Oh 